Hey guys, welcome back to the Self-Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill, and we're talking about all things life, confidence, relationships, what gets you up in the morning, what doesn't get you up in the morning. That's what we talk about in this podcast. I'm super glad you're here. If you're the first time tuning in, subscribe to my channel, hit the like button, spread the love, and uh, looking forward to getting into another amazing episode with you guys today. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Confidence Project. And I'm super stoked today because I'm bringing on a gentleman by the name of Dan Doty, who is not only my coach at the moment, uh, but is a coach, writer, wilderness guide, men's work leader, a somatic meditation teacher. He's been at the forefront of a global movement on men opening up themselves uh, to themselves and the world. And he's deeply steeped in nature and committed to practicing and sharing work that brings our wildness and our love out into the open. Dan, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on. How are you doing today? You know, I'm pretty good. Excited to be here. I'm sleepy and uh, just in the midst of a, a lot of big life changes. So I'm yeah. I'm here. I, I can't tell you I'm like a thousand percent firing <laughs> on all cylinders, but I am excited to chat. Yeah, well, I appreciate the honesty. And how many kids do you have now, Dan? 13. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> Probably feels like that, right? <laughs> no, we have two. We have two and then a third on the way. And that's actually that's actually part of what's going on is uh, there's yeah. some pretty there's some pretty substantial um, morning sickness happening. That's not relegated, not mine, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's not, it's happening far beyond just the morning. So there's a oh bugger that's tough then. So you're having to step up a little bit extra, extra. Yeah. Yes. That's accurate. Yeah. So let's, uh, so how many hours of sleep do you think you're running on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't compromise my sleep. So I'm oh, actually, last, last night I slept 11 hours. So I'll be, Oh <laughs> man, I love it. 11. I like it. I feel like sometimes that's like my three day average. <laughs> um, uh, there's so much for us to talk about. Uh, there's so much for us to cover. I know you have so much value to provide. Uh, I'm excited to open up kind of like a Pandora's box of topics. Uh, and the first nut I want to crack, uh, that's figuratively speaking, of course, is masculinity. And Dan, the other day I put up a post on my Instagram account and it had so far uh, about 120 comments and it's pretty, it's caused quite a stir. Uh, and I think that's because I dared to highlight some of the, uh, more toxic traits that both men and women can demonstrate. Uh, but in my post, I was specifically referring to men. Uh, and despite having, I think about 745 other posts that really dig deep to support men, there are a lot of men out there that were really upset by what I said, um, and so with that in mind, and with your experience working directly with men, uh, your experience with the topic of masculinity, your obviously firsthand knowledge of it, uh, I thought I'd actually open myself up today to some constructive criticism on what I wrote uh, and some feedback from you and just really openly discuss the topic. Uh, so to give you some context, the post was toxic masculinity right? I said, toxic masculinity looks like, and I wrote a bunch of different traits below. Uh, and I'm curious, Dan, firstly, what are your thoughts on just the term in general, toxic masculinity? I, I mean, I think it's pretty accurate. 
honestly. I mean, I think it describes something that, uh, I'll, let me back up and say, first of all, the, the language around this stuff is, is very tricky and it's hard to, it, it is one of the areas where it's hard to have very subtle and sharp conversations about just because of levels of people identify with that term on such a fun, like a foundational and primal level that, that I, that I think what happens when people get fired up, I mean, there's people that get fired up if they simply see the phrase toxic masculinity. Right. So, so, and there's something that, that is like primally offensive to many people by that. I'm not one of those. I feel Mm -hmm. like, I feel like it has become a catchphrase that can certainly, you know, throw energy and weight around uh, that, you know, maybe at some times is putting all men into, uh, you know, one group or different things. But to to be totally honest with you, my personal opinion, I think it's an accurate term. I think that a lot of uh, a lot of men, you know, uh, do things that harm and and, uh, you know, take away value of to and to and from others. And I feel like there's patterns that are being picked up. And to be totally honest, I'm, I don't have much critique for you. I, I actually quite agree with your post. I think it's a great post. Um, and I think it's an opportunity for those that, that do get upset or, or have a problem with, I think it's a cool opportunity to go deeper into, you know, yeah. just to see what, what's actually going on here. Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, I had an initial reaction where I went, Oh, Oh God, I've offended somebody. I should immediately take this down. Right. <laughs> and that's what I initially thought I was going to do. And I've left it up there, despite the fact that even this morning, I'm getting in some really interesting rolling, uh, like personal criticisms of myself. Like, who are you to be a woman talking about masculinity? Uh, you're a low value woman yourself. Uh, someone even went to the extent of logging on or going into my website using my chat function to send me an anonymous message that said, if you were the last woman on this earth and the last woman of our species, I'd prefer to let our species die out. <laughs> I was oh, like, Kimberly, I am so you're getting trolled. You're getting, you're getting totally smacked. right. And uh, I thought, well, well, I have your back. I, I have your back hundred percent here. And, and that's none of that behavior is, is, is uh, permissible. And that that's crappy to hear that. Um, but I am curious, like you say it clearly in your post that not all masculinity is toxic. And you're obviously a champion of men. Like from Mm -hmm. what I know is you are truly a champion of men. What, what do you, what are your sort of subtle uh, feelings about toxic masculinity? What do you think is going on here? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you my opinion, but I'm curious about yours. No, I love it. When the interviewer becomes the interviewee, it's perfect. I love it. Um, Well, I see how the word toxic can offend people. Because when you associate the word toxic with masculinity, some people or some men are going to misinterpret that as the fact that I'm saying men are inherently toxic before even reading the rest of the post, right? So they're going to see it, they're going to have a reaction, and then they're going to feel like they're being personally attacked, and then they're going to come after me. So that's where I feel like some of that anger, uh, and, and obviously I'm being a little bit misunderstood here. Uh, so that's the first thing. Uh, and then it's, it's that I believe people are misunderstanding what I'm actually saying. Cause I've had quite a few men say, cause in the post I say, uh, toxic masculinity looks like the devaluation of women, right. Yep. Conde- condemning other men for feminine qualities, right. Yep. Higher levels of social isolation, 
Uh, Avoidance of emotional expression aside from anger, extreme self-reliance, and extreme aspirations for physical, sexual, and an intellectual dominance. So men I think are you have a great list. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a great list. To be totally honest with you, I yeah. think you're really capturing something that's very, that's very real. I would, maybe we can add to it. I think, uh, you know, I- ignorance of, of one's harm of others, right? Yeah. Like not yeah. being aware of your impact on other people, not being aware of your own needs, um, like having addictions that are being un, un looked at, unseen, un, mm-hmm. unregistered, um, using language that is uh, like not not in alignment with 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 what's up to date and what's true for you, what's true for other people. Honestly, not having access to your fucking heart, not yeah. being able to receive and give love, right? Like, I mean, but all, but let's, but as we could, we could go on here and we could say all of these things, but in none of this in my heart is like a uh, appointed like missile just at at men in in any sense i mean we're talking about human shit here yeah this is, yeah this is 100 but what you did in your post is name a a collection of of from my perspective very real uh habitual ways of being mm-hmm. that 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 are harmful and and can be harmful and also i guess on a hopeful note these things you're naming, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of movement in our culture today that is giving men the space to, uh, to, to own up and to, to make some changes and to learn how to do all of these things. Right. So let me say one other thing though, here that for years, I chose to not even use the word masculinity in my work on Mm. purpose Yeah, because I, I do not think that, um, we can have a conversation about it very often in which there's not an immediate and unequivocal identification with that. What I mean by that is that most men or those who identify by male, if you label something as masculine, you almost immediately cannot get them to feel like they need to have or inhabit that or run right. that. Train, right. Mm-hmm. It's just, too. it's like, it's such, and, and there's, and it's, I've, I'll just name it. There's misogyny involved. There's, um, uh, you know, fear of uh, homosexuality. There's, there's a lot mm-hmm. of dark stuff underneath that. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, you know, a lot of men are conditioned that, that this idea of masculinity is some really large over, overarching identity. And, yeah. and, it, and they feel, I think a lot of men feel like they're under attack as if that part of themselves is no longer, um, you know, respected or admired or desired. Mm-hmm. which I kind of would say to them, I hate to tell you guys, but that's kind of true. Like right. you just should stop being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> right? basically stop being a dick. And that's not being an ignorant dick. <laughs> so I'll let those comments because there's, you know, part of me has been like, oh, those personal ones like that have nothing to do with the post. I just kind of want to delete them. But then I'm like, uh, I'm just going to leave them up there because, you know, let people show themselves. Right. I'm not going to censor or delete what I feel is offensive towards me. But I have had a couple of questions raised from, from men on that post where, where I say extreme self-reliance, and I'm, I'm using the word extreme for a reason there, because, yeah, yeah. because self-reliance in and of itself is not, a, it's not a bad thing. We need to rely on ourselves. We need to be able to also emotionally support ourselves. But an extreme self-reliance where we don't let others in where we can never ask for anything from somebody else, 
uh, where we, we dismiss the idea that support is helpful. That's to me, to me, that's the toxic part is the extreme, right? Well, the, I mean, the easy thing I <clears throat> see there is just like, if you can't ask for help, right. <clears throat> that becomes, that becomes a, 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 like a liability for you. But <laughs> I mean, a funny story about not being able to take help. <clears throat> Excuse me, something in my throat. My youngest son, Jude is two and a half. And he's going through a developmental phase right now where everything, and I mean everything, he has to do it himself, right? Like he has to brush <laughs> teeth, he has to flush the toilet, he has to like, and here's the thing, he can't do everything himself. And like actually phys physiologically, neurologically can't, right? So yeah, it, no, it, fair it, enough, yeah. <laughs> it creates the conditions for a hell of a lot of strife, <laughs> just like a lot of just upset a lot of tears a lot of crying yeah and so yeah when i when i hear your i think your delineator there extreme does everything it needs to do to convey what you're saying yeah as you you talk about this a lot or in in your own way in, in your speech masculinity in the age of hashtag me too um and i was watching that actually just before having you on the show and i think the way you you talk about masculinity and and uh, the work that you're doing is, is really powerful. And that's why I feel really honored as a woman in this line of work to be surrounded by men that are also welcoming, welcoming me in with open arms. Um, and uh, one of the things you said in that speech, uh, hurt people, hurt people, uh, is I think also at the root of maybe some of the reactions that I'm getting to this post as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, I would imagine there's a handful of things going on with the reaction. You know, one is that you're, you're touching upon a, um, a hyper protective vigilance about identity, like we just named, right? Like, mm -hmm. like if I can't be the man that I think I am, if you're telling me that's not true, it, it, it could trigger this like deep existential, what the fuck, who am I? Like, and like, who, you know, but I think that's, that's part of what, um, I hope to convey here is that that sort of gross level, I don't mean gross and disgusting, but gross as in large level mm -hmm. of identification with masculinity is, um, you know, it can be problematic, right? Like my, my definition or, or a couple of years ago when I was working with this explicitly, my definition for men or, you know, healthy masculine or healthy men was, was that for a while we should set these terms down Mm -hmm. And just learn to be your fucking self. Just, yeah. just learn to be you, right? And then, and then, yes, there's there's traits or patterns or habits that that would fall on a line between masculine and feminine and all that. But gosh, at this point, I just think like it, it causes more trouble than it yeah. than it uh, gains. Yeah, I hear you. you. Uh, this whole kind of generation we're in of labeling. Um, and everyone kind of wanting to have their own definition of, of what things mean to them um, yeah. is, is good and also kind of complicated in, in my opinion. <laughs> so uh, Dan, you know, you've got two sons, you've got another on the way. Um, I'm really curious uh, how really this transformation of becoming a father has changed the way you work, your value structure, the way you operate. Um, what's been the biggest transformation for you since, since becoming a father? Well, before I became a father, I had a sense that I had some, some uh, role or a sense to use my voice to do something in the world, but I was too scared to really do it. Mm -hmm. And when my first son was born, 
it, it all of a sudden was very clear that I had no option anymore and I needed to, I just needed to step up and I needed to stand up and do my thing. And so I did. And so we launched every man. I was a co-founder of a company called every man. And uh, that was really sort of my entrance, you know, to, to really get on a platform and start speaking about men and helping people. And so in one way, becoming a, becoming a father really just uh, pushed me outside of, certainly outside of my comfort zone, but just past myself. It, mm-hmm. it was, it was a magic sort of realization that um, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is, that it's not about me anymore and that it's about this larger thing. And, you know, I've been pretty service oriented in my life. I've, I've been w- working in a, in a lot of ways through my life to help others. And that always just felt right to me. Yeah. But I do, but becoming a father, I think, I mean, I could talk for hours about this, but two of the main things, one is that um, it, it just showed me, even if I thought I wasn't a sort of a self-centered human, it just pushed that more and more out of the way mm. to where to where the family um, became the primary, like to have that kind of responsibility. I don't know how else it gets matched. I mean, I have a lot of responsibility with my business and with a lot of other parts of life, but to really honestly be there caring for uh, the lives and well-being of others, it's, it's a fundamental shift. The second one, which again, this wasn't brand new for me, but it was a big expansion was just really realizing the capacity of love and, and what is actual possible as a man, as a human being. And um, that may be somewhat cliche, but it's cliche for a really good reason, right? The, the, yeah. the levels of actual vibrant, visceral, like flooded love is, is something that, I mean, there's moments, they still have them today. There's, there's moments where I'll catch myself like with my kids or with my family or my wife. And it's just like, I can't fucking believe this is real. Like, 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 like you're so I, overcome by like l- the emotion of love that you're beauty, almost in shock. Yeah, Beauty and love and perfection and, and, and connection and intimacy. And it's just like, I can't believe this is actually possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three times over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so for, for you, do you, do you know the gender of the third that's on the way? Is that a secret? Is it, is it too soon? It's or too it? soon. So we okay. don't, we don't, we don't quite know. Uh, my wife would like to make it a surprise, but I, that would kill me. So. Oh, so you want to, you want to know when you can, right? I really do. Yeah. <laughs> What's your gut feeling tell you? Well, my, my deep want is, is uh, a, a, a girl. Mm-hmm. Um I would say that's what my gut tells me, but that's hard. That's, that's really hard. I would know. I would love to know what it's like to have a daughter. That would be incredible. So uh, for those that are listening, then is that, you know, all ages are are tuning in. What, what, from your perspective, maybe your top two, top three important lessons in today's generation for raising children, sons, daughters, what's the most important message? Yeah, I would say I have this tagline when I work with dads and I'm actually building a whole platform around fatherhood right now. And it's that it's all for them, but it starts with me. Mm. And, and what I mean through that is just that fatherhood, when you get there, is it's like it's go time. It's yeah. like game, it's game day every day, right? And how you show up in your life 
your kids are going, it just means everything. How you show up means everything. And it doesn't mean that you have to do it perfect. It's not some sort of like high, you know, stress every moment, do it just right. But your general rested state of how you speak to people and how you engage and how you hold your body and how, what your, what level of nervous system charge you have, like all of this stuff is what your children respond to more than anything. Right. Like so far in my experience, parenting is not about what you tell your kids at all. Cause they, first of all, I don't hear most of it, but it, <laughs> but it, but, but it is how you show up. So your right? energy that you're bringing. Yeah. Your energy, yeah. how you regulate yourself, how you mm-hmm. treat your partner, how you treat them, how you treat yourself, how you regard work. All of this is being yeah. recorded. All of this is being recorded in the great sort of, um, in their block, tiny little brain blockchain, blockchain yeah. of their bodies, man. Like it's, it's true. You know, yeah. So what I mean by that is that it is, there is an opening and opportunity to look at yourself and take care of business on your inner landscape, do some personal work. It tends to happen about maybe, I mean, one kid is one thing, but there seems to be this magic thing. If you have more than one life gets so much more full than you can ever imagine. And, and then there's sometimes there's panic. It's like, Oh shit. Like I am not, I have not done my work. Right. I have not, I have not done, I'm not, I've not done what I need to. And now I'm fucked. So that's, so that's one big thing is, is like, it's, it's a, it's an opportunity to both accelerate and grow up. It it requires a growing up. It it allows for some natural growing up to become Mm -hmm. a dad, but then it also accelerates it if you choose to go that way. Yeah. So uh, being a coach yourself, um, and I imagine with this, this fatherhood program as well, I'm going to take a guess. I don't know exactly the content in there, but are you, are you, are you teaching uh, men, uh, to kind of coach their kids as well? Like versus telling your kid what's right or wrong and always giving them the answer. Is there an element of allowing your sons to kind of figure out the solution on their own? You know, I do, I do very little or no active coaching about how to parent your children. That's, Mm. that's really not, it's not my um, line of expertise and it's not, who knows, maybe after I have all my children, they're all grown and done and gone. I will do that. It is, it is using the, the opportunity of now being a dad as a leverage point for coming home and finding yourself and right. being yourself and knowing. And because, I mean, honestly, this is my theory that uh, we pretty well innately know how to, to, to be with our kids, mm-hmm. right? And, but I think what often gets in the way is we're too stressed by work or we're too, we haven't grown up certain parts of ourselves. We're stuck in our sexuality. We're addicted to like whatever it is we're we're not really home and i mean that in like a spiritual sense we're not mm-hmm. we're not we're not all the way in 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 inhabiting our life and our bodies and uh so to me that's first priority right yeah. i mean should, we, we trade you know tips and tricks yes we we do some of the trading of that mm-hmm. uh but i think that a lot of what you're asking comes very naturally yeah when when you sort of land in your body and your heart Got it. So the, the, the kind of parenting is natural and it's going to be slightly different for everyone, but it sounds like this program is more about the man himself really tapping into who he is, his full expression, learning to take care of his own mind, body, and soul during the experience. Yes. And the other thing I would say is I think the best way to learn the other parts, like how do I talk to my kid? How do I 
is actually community sourced, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like learning from each other. So my one program fatherhood unlocked is a, there's small group, uh, you know, group coaching opportunities of 10 men and the ability that like what we can learn from each other as dads, just through communicating about it is, is pretty amazing. Right. And I, I like that approach rather than just one, you know, one supposed sort of parenting expert telling me how to talk to my kid. I think that the group, the group approach really works well. Yeah. There's power in community for sure. There's more lessons to be learned through that. Uh, and I think a way we, we really learn is through shared experience. Um, so there's, you know, I'm in kind of in the field of dating and, and relationships and there's a, a statistic out there from the Gottman Institute that, that states that the level of satisfaction in a relationship will reach, reach its lowest after the first kid. Uh, and that's because it's the first time you're dealing with another little human in your family and there's a lot to contend with. Uh, I'm curious with the amount of stuff you do, you know, just taking on all these group coach, coaching uh, experiences, you're doing all the wilderness retreats, you're growing your business in other areas, you've got a third kid on the way, you're in a loving relationship. How do you manage the, I guess, the quality time in the relationship with everything else that's going on in your life? Good question. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, challenging you. What do you do? Do you? No, it, no, yeah, no, there is a real answer. There's a very good answer here. Yeah. So um, just the mutual uh, commitment to regular date time and regular sex. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Like without that, things fall apart, honestly. So we lived, uh, we just moved to, to Maine and we're just buying a house. We just bought a house, but um we lived, we had, we did this amazing family adventure. We went and lived on a regenerative farm in Southern California at the mouth of a Canyon. We lived in a uh, 33 foot RV for like a year and a half. And uh, we, you know, it was amazing and it was hard. It, there was a lot of stress during that period. And Elise and I uh, every Saturday, for an entire year, we gave ourselves the gift of an, of an entire, either half or full day date. Like we went to that extreme and you know, it was, it was, it was more than just, um, you know, maintenance. It, it actually became this beautiful, like extended courtship that we actually didn't even necessarily have. We met and got married like within six months, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we really, we had a fast path and, um, yeah, doing that like extended date period every week was like, it was the greatest thing we, we ever did. And we, and we did it to the point that we're now so good at it so that when we know all we need to do is block the time off. And when we both show up, it's just, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's actually a tip from the experts, right? Is like, even when you're cohabitating or you're living with someone, people then say, well, hold on, we're having a date every day because we're always around one another. But there's a real difference between quantity and quality. Huge, <laughs> right? huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely making that time to be really present with one another, really, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's a walk or a picnic or something really extreme. Um, I was listening to one of your uh, videos and you talk about getting out there, hunting, killing an elk, eating it, uh, you know, and I know a lot of couples have really different hobbies. Is your wife into the hunting scene? Has she got 
No. No? Is, she, is this something that's no. totally for you? That's different from her? Like, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, she, she's, she's, she's into it in the sense that she's really excited that I love it. Right. Yeah. And I, I did take her on, she, she went on one deer hunt yeah. with me, which was a really beautiful thing. She had a great time, but no, I actually, I was turkey hunting yesterday and it's not like, it's not like she's, you know, clawing to go out there with me. <laughs> It's fine. Um, the reason I ask that is because my partner, he, uh, over in Canada, you get your p- p- uh, possession and acquisitions license. He, he loves to, uh, uh, do skeet shooting and American trap shooting, uh, and owns a bunch of firearms and got me into it last year. And I was someone who was like, absolutely no way, like anti-gun really closed minded. And then as he like safely introduced me to it, I went and got my pal license and, I want to go out there with him and I'm curious and it's not that couples need to have the same hobbies or passions to actually be compatible and work, but it's a, it's something that I'm, uh, there's an there's a Netflix series out there. I think it's called, what is it? Man hunter or, or man eater or something like that. Meat eater. Yeah. yeah. And uh, despite the kind of, uh, one aim of it to be, to, uh, harvest a deer or, or whatever, to, to, to get your end goal, it's actually, I feel like a real spiritual experience because there's a lot of sitting out there in the wilderness on your own. Are you aware that I directed that show for five years? What? Yeah, that was my, yeah, look at the credits. Like seasons one through six were all me. I started what? out. My at, mind is blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was the career I was doing right before I started Everyman, Kimberly. No way, Dan. And because because uh, my guy got me watching a few and I actually really enjoyed it because these guys are sitting on a beautiful mountaintop, just kind of reflecting on life. It's a beautiful show. It, I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I put my entire life into that show for a long time. Yeah, it's one of the things I'm really proud of. Wow, I'm super impressed. I, I didn't know that. That's funny when you when you yeah, learn something new. I'm like almost speechless because I, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were bringing it up because you knew that was, I worked no, no, but, that's yeah, just that's where, where we're going organically in the chat. I don't like to, to put too much thought ahead of uh podcasts or interviews so that these things can come up and be really real five years. I love it. So it's, are the seasons over or they did, you're just moving on to obviously bigger, different things now. Well, I mean, it, you know, I mentioned, I mean, I, like my son was being like, my wife was pregnant with him. Yeah. I, so I, I was a director, I was a director and producer of that show. And then I sort of like took a step up and then we moved it. So I met my wife in New York city, we moved to Montana. So I, I opened a, a whole office for, for that company that made that show. And then I, I totally got myself in a, in a position that I shouldn't have been in professionally. I didn't know what I was doing. So I, so I, I got fired. I got fired from, from that whole thing. I had already moved on from Meat Eater at yeah. the point. For, for the most part, I'd moved on from it when I got fired. But yeah, it was a, it's this beautiful chapter of my life that I, you know, sometimes I miss. Um, I actually miss it all the time. But, but actually what I, what I miss now is just the, the lifestyle itself, which yeah. is part of like, so you know, talking about my wife and what we're, what we're really into, you know, we, we have an immense amount of shared interests and we have like our compatibility is just through the roof. Right. So we're both intensely spiritual people. I would say that's the, the center line of both of our lives. And in different ways, she has a different practice than I do. She has a different direction that I do. Um, 
but the other thing that we share hugely, so we're both, you know, we both love to do yoga and meditation, all these stuff, and we do them differently, but mm-hmm. really admire that with each other. The other thing, her like deep visceral passion is plants and gardening and herbs and growing things. And so, and mine is more on the, you know, get out in the woods and, and, and kill something and, and build a <laughs> fire and eat it. But like those line up real well. That's you know? a perfect combo. You bring home yeah. the meat and she's got all the fresh veggies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but that really, I mean, it 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 actually really is. So the lifestyle we're building together, you know, we, we bought a place with some acreage here and we're going to grow a bunch of our food and I can hunt out the back door. And, you know, the other place, just to name it to where we're insanely compatible is, um, and this I, this, I think we just lucked into this, but in terms of parenting, we're a perfect match. Like, yeah. like actually a perfect match. Like there's really nothing fundamentally that we disagree about in how to raise our kids. That's and, really important to know yeah. because it's, it's one of the real big value differences that can become perpetual problems with couples is differences in how they want to raise their children. Totally. Like, I mean, totally. if you're not on the same page or at least close, you got 18 rough years ahead. If yeah. you make it through those, right? Oh man, right? Abs- absolutely. And yeah, so I just I just feel insanely grateful. We have a, I mean, honestly, we we had a uh we've had a I wouldn't say it's an easy marriage. We've been married almost, I can't believe, but it's almost seven years now. And mm-hmm. the first the first couple of years were interpersonally quite quite difficult. Like they they just were. They were they I think they were way harder than either of us expected. Yeah. Um and then we got through a lot of that. And then we went through a couple of years that were more externally difficult. So financially difficult, sort of mm-hmm. like what we're doing with our lives. Um, so we've really been on a, we've been on a ride together, but yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty cool to, it's pretty cool to like, I don't know, uh, you know, the same sort of thing I said yesterday about when I'm with my kids and I have these moments of like, my marriage is far better than I've ever thought realistic, right? I, I, I didn't have a ton of examples when I was a kid of what a healthy relationship really looked like and didn't even know what that meant. And so I still kind of feel like I'm discovering that, you know, like what, it, what it really means. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, they're trying to define their own version of what a healthy relationship looks like, because let's be real. We're not taught that. Uh, movies certainly don't paint an accurate picture (laughs) so we're left to kind of our own our own belief system and our own well you know observation and and how we form what actually is a healthy relationship and I reckon it's you either grow together and you lean in and you get through the challenges by recognizing that you're on the same team or you grow apart right totally totally So a little bit here, because, you know, you've got a really cool adventure coming up. I think it's in September, a canoe trip. And obviously now knowing your history on uh, directing uh, on that show, nature is such a big part of your life, your practice, the work that you do. When did you really start embracing the benefits of nature in the wilderness? Was it around that, that job posting time that you got? I think I was in a video I watched where it's like you, you needed a job. You saw a poster yeah. for some kind of wilderness guy. Was that when you were introduced to the beautiful healing properties of nature or was it before that? Almost. So, so when I, I, I love being outside since I was a little kid, but when I was 13, I got invited by my cousins 
church group to go on a wilderness trip in, in the Boundary Waters Wilderness Area, which is a, a million acre wilderness in northern Minnesota, which uh, has hundreds and hundreds of lakes connected by either rivers or footpaths. So it's a, it's a canoe area, wilderness canoe travel area. And um, it just completely blew my fucking mind as a kid. Like I'd never done anything like that. We did a whole week trip. Um, actually, actually I'm, I've been writing about this lately, but it introduced me, I guess, to probably my, my two, two biggest passions in life. One would be, you know, wilderness and the other would be women, I guess, or, or <laughs> I, I fell in love with nature and I fell in love with, um, a girl named May on that trip who had no, you know, no, she had no time for me, which, <laughs> but, but it, uh, in that, I feel like that was my great awakening or my first rite of passage in a sense is like, mm-hmm. oh man, my heart just opened up and um, had my first crush and, and just had this amazing week. So I got introduced there. Um, I ended up going to college in Northern Minnesota because of that trip, just because I fell in love with that area and Lake Superior and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so started dabbling more in outdoor wilderness stuff in college, but then it was right after college. Yeah. I, I, my first career, I became a wilderness therapy guide and I, and I worked different therapeutic programs, um, both in the United States and then around the globe leading groups of young men, uh, young men who were struggling. Yeah. And that was it. That was like, uh, this is my calling, right? It was just a hundred percent perfect fit from the go. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think for me too, I'm starting to toy with the idea of how I can incorporate that into either my life more just on a personal standpoint or somehow bring it into even the work I do. Cause if I can be hiking and canoeing and impacting people and making a living and earning money and god that's just like the best combination i think <laughs> right yeah. like like why not i'm like why is not? that a thing is that real could that really happen I, I think when i was 13 or something my my dad and, and his good friend my dad's name is larry his best friend's larry they had two sons travis and trevor and my sister <laughs> yeah vanessa and i and travis and trevor and larry and larry decided to pack up and fly up to the bower and lake chains in northern wherever it is somewhere in northern bc or even further up and do a big uh uh a big uh canoe portage trip for about seven days and uh i remember that being like really impactful like as a young impressionable girl just learning to be out there uh, with yourself, you know, and obviously yeah. surrounded by a, a bunch of men as well. Um, and so I don't know, this is totally off topic, but I just remember my sister and I, we had that shit down. We got off the canoe, we got to our campsite, we put our tent up, no arguments. We were organized. Travis and Trevor were fighting with their <laughs> tent poles. They couldn't get shit sorted. <laughs> and I just remember us thinking, man, we're, we got this, like women do mature faster than guys. Cause I, we're just watching them argue for three hours to try and get their tent put together. <laughs> it was just a really impactful trip. You know, I, I remember canoeing quietly past the moose and, and just being in nature. It's like really, really powerful. Even if no one's really guiding it or teaching you or, or coaching you throughout the process, just being out there on your own, you're going to, you're going to come to your own realizations about who you are in life. Just I think just through nature and osmosis. I mean, that's, that's what it's actually all about for me. I, I, I agree with you all the way. And it's, I, you know, so I spent that first chunk of, of my early twenties when I was doing that work, you know, I spent, 
I, I, somewhere between 700 and a thousand days, you know, out, out in the wilderness. And I think that I can't imagine what would have the, the power in just that, in just that many nights sleeping on the ground around a fire in the fresh air, looking at, you know, nature without stuff. Like I, the impact is just, it, it's hard to measure. Right. Yeah. And so it, it just is it like, it is such a, and in the work that I do and, and you do coaching people, and you know, I also teach meditation. I use meditation in a lot, a lot of my work, like nature does it right. Mm-hmm. You actually, I think a lot of the work that happens, um, we help hurry it along with all of our, you know, specific practices and like our protocols and how we work with people. But I, I, I guarantee you, if you had enough time to just go out in the woods and be there, you'd come back with your answers, right? You, you, you learn who you are, you figure out what you want, you, mm-hmm. you know, nature can do that work. And so I think that for me, there is no more sort of powerful package than doing transformative work out, out in the wilds. And it's, it just, it just works, right? It just, yeah. it just really works. There's something safe about it, even though it's actually a kind of a dangerous place to be because we don't know what's <laughs> lurking behind every corner. It's weird that there's also a safety to, to being surrounded by nature and, and being out in the open. And, and it's really reminding me that this last year with COVID and some of the restrictions we've had in place that I, I think I am desperate for just a trip, getting away, being in the mountains, getting back into hiking. Like I, I feel... like my life is closed in a little bit just because of the restrictions that we're dealing with here, at least in in Vancouver. And, and I mean, you know, even camping sites, you can't really book. They're only opening up two months at a time. People that have Mm -hmm. more money are just jumping in and booking weeks at a time without the consequences of the fact that other people then can't get in and get a site. And it's just like, let me go, let me out there. (laughs) I need out there. (laughs) Well, Dan, I've just loved having you on. I genuinely appreciate your time. I'm, I'm so uh, you know, blessed to just have you on the show to be part of your mastermind as well. Um, what's going on for you? Any, anything you feel like is important to kind of share or leave us with or any kind of thoughts that are spinning around in that, uh, that head? Well, I, I know that, you know, I don't know who exactly listens to your show, but it's, if it's about... Um, you know, mostly men looking for a relationship and things like that. I, I just, I guess I'd just say a real hopeful, a real hopeful, like you got this. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that, that's not from a disconnected place. You know, I've worked with um, thousands and thousands of men in, in many different capacities and, you know, put 10,000 10, plus hours into, into, you know, transformative work. And I, I feel like, there's a, again, I'm just kind of speaking to the listener. Now. Like there's a good chance you're making it more complicated than it is. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess like another general thing I would say is that learning how to surrender and not control things is oftentimes uh, leads to a, a much faster resolution than trying to control it all. You no know? kidding. I always say to people like be okay with uncertainty yeah. You never, there is no perfect path. You're never going to be hundred percent sure how things are going to turn out. So just kind of relax, embrace the moment, go with it, enjoy the journey, stop worrying about the destination so much. 
Yeah. And life is hard and intense and you're yeah. not alone in that. Right? I mean, uh, I, yeah. think we, I think we often kind of think that we're, yeah. we're alone in our struggles and that that's just absolutely not, not true. So, so quickly, Dan, let me know what are the offerings that you have right now and where can people reach you if they're interested in, in uh, learning more or even working with you? Yeah. DanDody.com is where it all is. Um, as you mentioned, I have a canoe, a wilderness canoe expedition in Maine in September, 2021. Um, I do one-on-one coaching on an ongoing basis. Um, I particularly tend to work with uh, co-founders and C-suite level men in their thirties and forties who have kids. I've sort of really built this niche around Mm -hmm. uh, pretty high performing men that happen to be dads as well. And then in terms of my group stuff, um, there's, there's kind of always an ongoing sort of rotating sort of offering of what I'm doing. I, I have a program called Blazing Hearts, which is a group coaching program, which is designed very specifically to help you do the one big thing that you're really scared to do, whether it's change jobs or start a, start a high side hustle or, you know, take a, a quit your job and go around the world for you. What, whatever, like the big thing you really want to do, but mm-hmm. you've been sitting on it for years because it's too hard. That's what that program is for is you, you will get it done. Um, that's and, scary, uh, scary for people to join knowing that that's the transformation. Well, totally. But isn't that, it's also the best. I know. No, I know. <laughs> I've done my own version of blazing yeah. hearts in my life yeah. and it, uh, it's scary at the time, but, uh, when you look back, you realize that, uh, it was the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Dan Um, that's the best way website you're, you're, you're on social media, but maybe not really. I, no. I, I, yeah. I will, I will eventually be doing a legitimate push on Instagram. I am yeah. on Instagram, Daniel Doty. And I'm, I'm part of it is I'm trying to get the Dan Doty handle. So Dan Doty, if you're listening, give me that handle, man. Oh, what? Someone's got your name or off. <laughs> well, it's, it's just another Dan Doty. And I think he's had it for a while, but he's not really active. So I'm right. coming for you. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Oh gosh, that's funny. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I genuinely appreciate it. Uh, get a little bit of rest today. I can hear, I can hear those kids in the background saying, dad, yeah. where are you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy yourself and look forward to catching up on our next group call. Thanks, Kimberly. See you. All right. Take it easy. Bye.